Good evening and welcome back, my crime crazy people, to Veil of Humanity. I would like to apologize for our lack of posting lately. We've been having some personal and medical problems. Hopefully that's behind us now and hopefully we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled podcast. So, I would first like to start off with our little mini-sode. This is See the Evil, Find the Hope. Today we will be starting off with Dead to Rights. We are talking about Blanche Moore. She is 90 years old now. And she has been on death row for 30 years. More than 30 years. Her full name is Blanche Taylor Moore. And she is currently being held in North Carolina's death row. She has been on death row since 1986 for poisoning her husband, her boyfriend, excuse me, her boyfriend with arsenic. Now, North Carolina has not actually executed anybody since 2006. So I don't see that changing. She, she will most likely die on death row. Um, back when her case was still fresh, it was extremely nationwide, like, news. So, the case started after her second husband, Reverend Dwight Moore, became really ill and was hospitalized. And the doctors at the University of North Carolina eventually found out that he had 20 times the lethal dose of arsenic in his system. Now, he was thought to, like, seriously, like, on, like, death's door. But he did survive, and he did manage to tell investigators that he became sick after his wife gave him a chicken sandwich. And... The investigators, after they talked to him, they talked to his wife, and they soon realized that they needed to go back even farther than 1986, starting with the death of Raymond Reed, Moore's previous boyfriend. Um, Dr. John Butts was the chief medical examiner at the time, and then they went and looked at uh, Mr. Reed's medical history, because originally they thought that he had just died of a... Um, generic disease in the hospital. He, when they looked at Mr. Reed's history, he had gotten violently ill and developed gastroenteritis. Excuse me if I mispronounce that. And then later developed neuropathy and nerve damage and he never got better and then he died. Oh, here it is. They say that the doctors thought that he suffered from Guillain-Barre syndrome which has similar symptoms to arsenic poisoning. And the doctor, Dr. Butts, asked the district attorney to exhume Reed's body. And when they exhumed his body, they found that his tissues contained lethal concentrations of arsenic. And, of course, it seems like a repeat. Arsenic is a terrible way to die. People become very ill, they vomit, they develop diarrhea, they may develop a rash, and then maybe like a week or two later, they develop neurological signs that involve tingling, odd sensations, burning sensations, 
beginning in the hands and feet, and then they go more centrally. And then eventually, without proper treatment, they die. So after they exhumed his body, they began to examine all the folks who had, as they joked about it, were deceased and had something to do with Blanche. Her former husband, James Taylor, was soon exhumed. So was Moore's father, P.D. Kaiser Sr., and her mother-in-law, Isla Taylor. The hair from all of them showed very high level of arsenic. So we're at like five. Four murders and one attempted murder. They also exhumed another former co-worker, Joseph Mitchell of Blanche's, but he had no levels of arsenic. A jury found Blanche Taylor more guilty of murder, and the judge sentenced her to death row, where she still sits today. And she never really gave, like, a reason why. She's always claimed that she's innocent. So, I mean, people always claim they're innocent if, if they're on death row or in prison. Moving on to our next segment, Fugitivis, we are talking about Daniel Andreas San Diego. He was born February 9th, 1978. He's an American domestic terrorist who is listed on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list. He is a straight-edge vegan environmentalist and animal liberationist. He has ties to Animal Liberation Brigade, responsible for two bombings in 2003. He is believed to have ties to the Stop Hunting Huntingdon Animal Cruelty. A little more background on Mr. San Diego. He was born in Berkeley, California, and he grew up in San Rafael, California. He attended Terra Linda High School, took classes at the College of Marin, and worked at San Rafael High School's radio station, KSRH. He listened to heavy metal and rock music. As a young man, he gave up drugs, alcohol, meat, and milk products, and he took an interest in the straight-edge movement and became vegan. At the times of the bombings, he lived in Shellville, California, a small community outside of Sonoma, where he worked as a computer specialist. His landlord said that he was very nice and personable and said that he claimed he was starting a new business venture of vegan marshmallows made without gelatin. And he said that he never once thought that he would be a terrorist. So he joined the Animal Liberation Brigade and in and on August 28, 2003, there were two sophisticated homemade bombs exploded, which exploded an hour apart at the Chiron Corporation in Emeryville, California, causing minor property damage but no injuries. The FBI believes the second bomb was timed to target first responders, and another bomb was wrapped with nails to produce shrapnel and exploded on 20, September 26, 2003 at the Shackley Corporation in Pleasanton, California, again causing damage but no casualties. The bombs used ammonium nitrate explosives and mechanical timers. A group called the Revolutionary Cells-Animal Liberation Brigade claimed responsibility via an email message after each bombing. 
in 2003, the FBI had San Diego under 24-hour surveillance, and he discovered he was being watched, and on October 6, 2003, parked his car in downtown San Francisco, California, walked away, and never returned. So, he's on the run. In 2004, he was indicted and became the first domestic terrorism suspect to be added to the FBI's most wanted list. The first animal rights activist. And in 2014, as part of the FBI's National Digital Billboard Initiative, San Diego was to be featured on electronic billboards throughout California, Massachusetts, Oregon, Nevada, and Florida. And along the U.S.-Canada border in New York and Washington State. Um, the FBI thought at one point he was in Northampton, Massachusetts area in early 2014. And they thought they had credible intelligence that he might be in Hawaii. He was on America's Most Wanted five times. And there is a reward of up to $250,000 if any information leads to the arrest of Mr. San Diego. Mm. I get, I get, I'm an animal lover, dude. I am an animal lover. But hurting people will not get your point across. Let me give you a little more information about what he looks like. So he has brown hair, brown eyes. He is six feet. The last time he was seen, he was 160 pounds. He is white and he ha has a round image of a burning hillside in the center of his chest with the words, it only takes a spark printed in the semicircle below burning and collapsed building on the side of his abdomen and back and a single leafless tree rising from a road in the center of his lower back. And now these tattoos may have been altered or covered with new tattoos, but it's good to keep an eye out for. He does wear eyeglasses and he's very skilled at sailing and has traveled internationally. He is also considered armed and dangerous because he has been known to possess a handgun. Moving on to our last segment, where we cover a nonprofit, true crime nonprofit, and today we'll be talking about the nonprofit in the backlog. In the backlog is a Joyful Heart Foundation program. It's a nonprofit organization founded by producers, directors, actresses, and advocate Mariska Hargitay with the mission to transform society's response to sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse, to support survivors' healing, and end this violence forever. So, if anybody's ever watched uh, SBU, she she started that. She is beautiful. She's a beautiful person. I love her so much. So they focus on shining a light on the rape kit backlog in the United States. And their goal is to end the injustice by identifying the extent of the nation's backlog and best practices for eliminating it. They do this by expanding the national dialogue on rape kit testing through increased public awareness sharing groundbreaking research, engaging in communities and government agencies and officials, and advocating for comprehensive rape kit 
reform legislation, and policies based on all six pillars of reform. Ultimately, what they want is to change our attitudes about sexual violence and abuse. They want to teach us to improve the systems, to lessen the traumas survivors experience, and ensure greater access to justice for survivors. It's, it's amazing. And you can help them by spreading the word throughout your community. You can go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and do the hashtag in the backlog. So you can, you can send a message to your governor, your state senator, your state representative, and the subject would be fund rape kit reform. And the message would say, as your constitute, constitute, constituent, excuse me, I ask for your leadership to ensure that rape kits in our state are tested swiftly, solving and preventing crime and bringing justice to sexual assault survivors. Fortunately, your state has reached all six pillars of rape, rape kit reform, according to End the Backlog. These are implementing a statewide untested rape kit inventory, Mandate the submissions and testing of all backlog kits. Mandate testing of all new kits. Create and use a statewide kit tracking program. Grant survivors the right to know the status of their kit and appropriate funding to support the testing and tracking of rape kits. DNA is invaluable. DNA is what we look for as regular everyday people. We want some sort of solid proof. And DNA is usually what we turn to because everybody has their own unique DNA. It's an invaluable investigative tool. And when tested, it can help identify unknown assailants, link crimes together, reveal serial offenders, exonerate the wrongly convicted, and save communities money by preventing future crime. And our state, the state of Texas, is one of 15 that have reached comprehensive rape kit reform. 15 out of 50, we can do better than that, people. We can do better. So contact your governors. Contact your state senators. Contact your state representatives. Contact anybody. Put it out there. We need to get all 50 states to have this. All 50. Contact your, the attorney general, state legislatures, everybody. We need to do whatever we can to ensure these important reforms are implemented to, by securing funding. So... You can also donate at their website, inthebacklog.org. Nobody ever thinks about what happens after a crime, especially one as invasive and, and scary as someone hurting you sexually abusing you or someone you know so so do something to help those people they they need something afterwards sure the cops are there sure the police the ambulances the EMTs the doctors they're there right after it happens but they can't stay there. They, people who, who have been attacked, who have suffered from these types of situations, they need something more. 
they need to know that they will find justice and that the people around them can help them. So look up information about this. Look up what you can do as a family member, as a friend, as a sibling. Look and see what you can do to help afterwards because that's, that's when the true battle begins. Thank you for listening, my crime crazy people. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. If you would like to recommend us a case, please email us at veilofhumanity at gmail.com. And you guys have a lovely day.